0: This episode was recorded on July 12th, 2020. Our topic for today Twitch. All right, Johnny. Yes, uh, the, you were talking about Queeby before? Yes, Michael. We have
1: a follow up. We have a follow up. Queeby is. Okay. Couple, couple headlines. One, Quibi reportedly lost 90% of mm-hmm. early users after their free trials expired. So we should go back
0: to the episode where I said, Quibi won't make it through 2020. And we, we can see how right we are. I am by the end of 2020.
1: Well done. Well done. Um, the other headline is that Quibi is flailing because no one in Quibi understands what Quibi is. <clears throat> Did you, did you sign up for a free trial? No, there was no content that I was interested in.
0: Why did you say, think it was going to fail? There was no content. It seemed like it was just hype because it had two founders that were famous. And I didn't see a space. I, I didn't see a differentiation for itself at all. Right. And
1: known founders, not in that space. Yeah. Known founders, but not in any content space. There's an article on The Verge, which basically what the title says the Netflix is straight up flexing at this point. The streamer has nearly 60 original titles landing in July alone. This is like Netflix's moment where everybody else who's oh okay. So there was that. Last How are week they was filming it filming last... still.
0: I mean no, 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 because, where are
1: because, allowed to film. Because, yeah, you're not. You're not. It's 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 filmed ahead of time. They have uh, okay. They hey, have their thing cuz a lot of things are in post production, right? So Okay.
0: This is the uh this is the payoff of all yep. that investment into original content.
1: Yep. Though Disney did have um talking about just generally what's going on. Disney did have uh Hamilton land on over the weekend and that's a pretty big increase that there was I think it was leaked or so, but in all hands meeting, the the new uh, Disney CEO said that Hamilton's become very important, and of course, they the timing of the release of Disney Plus back in November and having you know being able to because I think ten million people signed up that day. They had a lot of technical issues and all that with scale and blah blah. blah. Now that they've you know stabilized it and they've been adding more and more content, um, they're in a position to to benefit from this, and you know Hamilton i joining them, which was very anticipated, bringing the country together, the States. Uh, theater productions, the yeah, theater
0: productions work pretty well, I would say, on remote. Because even though the audience is, even though you're taught to, what's the call, you're, you're taught to act to the audience uh, when you're in theater, the audience as well, you can't see them anyways. And the response in a musical is only is it's pretty is pretty set in terms of when you expect people to respond so theater works pretty well for for streaming without audiences
1: right right all right all right right. moving on to the other story of the week michael the other story of the week is tiktok Amazon banned tiktok from employees phones and then they reverted and then this today is today, or over the weekend, I saw an article where Wells Fargo has directed employees to remove TikTok from company mobile devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the continuing of,
0: uh, I mean, we've seen this before. Uh, this is politics directing uh, tech policies. Remember back before the days of bringing your own device? Yep. You weren't allowed to install any of these apps anyways on your company phone. The company would give you a phone, usually a Blackberry, And never mind the fact that it didn't have access to apps at all uh, it certainly did you weren't allowed to go on certain websites like facebook like uh, twitter if twitter was around back then you you weren't allowed to use it for anything but business purposes because it was a business phone and then of course people brought their own devices and then the rise of of course vpns and mobile iron and all these other services to allow you to get email and access to your network access to apps and so on and so forth but I, uh, I'm not surprised by any of this. So do you think the real question is, do you think this will have a long-term impact on TikTok? Will, will we ban TikTok, Johnny?
1: Well, TikTok also seems to be in the process of extricating itself from China and into the U.S. You know, they, they hired the a, a top uh, Disney executive. I think one of the guys that was gunning for the Disney CEO position. Yes, the guy who was head of streaming. Yes, the guy that was head of streaming who apparently wasn't quite the team player that uh people needed him to be, but anyways, he's been hired as the CEO of TikTok and I don't know if they're on like trying to hire uh, a bunch of people in the states following that, but we'll see. But
0: they are. They have an office in Los Angeles. Apparently they're also trying to create their own tiktok non bite dance board so it will be i mean was any other company it would be like a paypal ebay type situation where one can break off from the other
1: right right so I, a couple of things that i find interesting one is india also because there's tension between india and china india has now banned tiktok um that's well yeah we'll, we'll see how that one goes so it's not just the u.s there's a larger context here um part of from some of the research or some of the podcasts I've been listening to is this. So you can't deny that there's this history of the tech companies in China being an extension of the government in a more, I don't know if it's because the media is more likely to talk about China than the States, but in a more overt way. So some of the examples I was listening to were that during the Hong Kong riots, you could find almost nothing that was positive about the riots on TikTok. Versus a lot of the other social medias, uh, you could find both sides, if you will. Um, there was also even with Black Lives Matter, they were suppressing some of that, is what I heard. I don't use TikTok, so this is mostly from just what I heard. Um, and again, there's always been this history of how much, uh, how much how close is that relationship between the Chinese government and the big tech companies? So there's you know it's so coming is, from that level of suspicion. I would say this is also interesting because TikTok is also right
0: now the more trusted platform for these. Protesters to organize on.
1: Yeah. So I don't, again, we don't know how true it is, but you know, there was a bunch of TikTokers that kind of uh, planned against Trump's Tulso rally, right? So instead of the 19,000 stadium full that they expected, they got like 6,000 folks, right? Um, and I don't, again, don't know how much of that was really attributed to TikTokers and the millen- millennials and all that that were organizing it, but there was that too. So I, I just I just think it's so strange. It's like if the Europeans built something, and yes, there's this whole reverse merger, and you can get a, it'd be one thing if it got acquired by a U.S. company, okay? Because then you could be like, okay, you know, you're being transferred money because that's capitalism, and if you know, if you're going to then move headquarters, fine, right? A lot of these companies at a certain size just become—they're not even specific to a country; they just become multinationals, anyways. Well, they them. become uh, they become Irish and Dutch. Yes, Irish and Dutch, but yes. um, Even though they, you know, if if the gov, if American government comes down on them, they will have to obviously work with them. But for the most part, these guys are like, they might as well be their own countries, if you will. Right? Um, They might, they might fly a flag over their headquarters, but in reality, they're global uh, corporations. So I just think it's so strange that without any acquisition or anything, one is they hired a U.S based CEO and and now that there's all these bans are happening and to be fair the Chinese the, the China India ban is seems slightly different than because they actually have some tension like you know they had some skirmishes earlier starting in May and the border that never demarcated border so there's a it seems like a slightly different story than the one between US and, and China I, again so I just think it's so strange like I built something in my country that the rest of the world seems to love and is using. And yet, because of, rightly or wrongly, these perceived perspectives and thoughts, I need to now make my my app not be, like, it's almost like you're gonna fire the Chinese in a very simplified, naive way. It's like you're almost gonna fire the Chinese engineers, product managers, everybody, and then move it over to, to America and say, now we have, you know, it's an American data centers, it's an American employees and other international folks. And so now we're okay. Now everybody can use it. And the U.S. government saying say, yes, now we approve. It's like, really? Well, it
0: comes to show still the importance of America as a global power. So America only accounts for, so I, the numbers for TikTok are, I believe, 180 million downloads. Of course, those aren't all unique people or else half of America would be using it. And, or more than half. and. Accounts counts for 8% of TikTok's total user base. So there's definitely more TikTok users outside of the United States than inside the United States. But if you see, of course, the United States still has influence, still has international influence, even even with all of the, the struggles that have been exposed this year with the United States, that there's still a lot of political power in being the world's dominant force. So people have to play by your rules. And when you have multiple powers in the world, they're going to compete and they're going to compete over their businesses and uh what's it called and at least I would say at least now they're not competing over going to war all the time. Yeah.
1: No, you're right. You're right. Um so do you think this ban will actually have an effect in terms of 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 TikTok users? Do you really think they'll go ahead and actually ban it? And if so, will something come like do you see like TikTok dropping its US even though it's 8% do you think that 8% will actually go to like you know 4% or almost zero or not really well let me see if they ban it then
0: what will happen what does a what does a ban mean so it gets taken off the apple app store
1: the google play store the google play store will they do it like actually that's the other question will apple and google agree and just do it i i don't know because we have to remember they they run a private marketplace right it's not a um, Public marketplace owned co-owned by the government. Guess another question is: so TikTok is a Gen, uh,
0: it's a Gen Z product. Is Gen Z savvy enough that they'd still be using it, even if, even if uh, the, even if it was banned? If you look at China and Gen Y or Millennial generation and Gen Zs, everyone knew how to get around the firewall in China. They knew what apps to download. They knew what VPNs right. to use. People. I feel like even folks in our generation don't do didn't do much of this, but people can go figure out how to get region lock content for Netflix pretty yeah. easily nowadays just because they grew up technically savvy, I do wonder, can you actually as long as the app still exists on some market and we can't yeah. we don't have the ability to ban traffic from it because you would also need the right. the telecommunications networks to completely ban traffic to it as well right so you need comcast verizon ATT, t uh t-mobile all of them to be on board with a full bank you basically need a full stack right yes so we just don't have that type of government control in america the government would love to be able to do that and love to carry through on that they don't have that ability in this country china yes no. america no
1: i agree all right michael i think with with that let's move on to our main topic of the day
0: yes speaking of streaming so our main topic of the day is twitch so we'll talk about twitch the of course the great video game streaming and now building into more types of streaming streaming platform and we'll talk a little bit about its history its founders why it's successful if it's successful why it's successful i think it's Clearly, clear to say that Twitch is successful. Uh, and finally, we'll think about the future and we'll do a judgment of whether it's rich tech or poor tech. Maybe we'll even have some ideas of the week. So Johnny, firstly, to kick us off, what is Twitch, Johnny? Who founded it? What's its history? How did it become so big?
1: All right, Twitch. What is Twitch? Twitch is a video live streaming service with a primary focus on video game live streaming. It has, of course, expanded uh, outside of that. Um, some of the more recent uh, uh, Twitch streams that I and my colleagues have been watching are have been from AWS. See, I mentioned AWS without the context of this, but there's more to that. But um, yeah, you know, folks have now, you know, in, in within tech, people use it to, to stream as they build stuff, you know, web apps, programs, what have you. And it's a great educational space. Um, and then what I've noticed is that people actually stream it on Twitch and then they'll go and upload it to YouTube. YouTube's like mm-hmm. pretty much has come kind, kind of become the, the archive version yes. of Twitch. Um, <clears throat> in terms of founders, uh, hold on. a diverse founding team. Yes. Uh, it has a very diverse, Team. Um, four four friends, uh, Justin Kahn, Emmett shear, Michael S- Siebel, and Kyle Voigt. Um, just to set where these guys currently are, Justin Kahn is the current CEO and co-founder of the law tech firm Atrium. He also founded SocialCam along with Michael Siebel after uh, Twitch. Emmett Shear who is the current CEO of Twitch, Michael Siebel... Uh, He he was the CEO of Twitch, and then he's now the current CEO partner at Y Combinator, and he did co-found Social Cam with Justin Kan. He, and of course, as we covered previously, he recently joined Reddit's uh, board of directors. Kyle Voigt, who seems to be the technical guru in the group, um, is a co-founder of Cruise Automation, the current president and CTO of that there, and Cruise Automation was bought by General Motors for a billion dollars a few years ago. So, those are founders, four friends. Um, I've listened to the How I Built This uh, episode of, of Twitch. It's a great episode, by the way. So, I highly recommend uh, people check that out. Um, it's a great story. I think he talks to, I want to say he talks to Justin. Um, and they talk about the history. But basically, these four guys, um, I think it was after school, they decided to build something and then move out west to California from, I believe it's Massachusetts. Uh, I think it was originally Justin and Emmett, and then they kind of got Michael and Kyle to come on board. Um, and moving and that moves us straight to its history. So what's interesting is because Twitch wasn't born calling calling itself Twitch. It was born yeah. as Justin.TV. Yes. And as I wrote Justin.TV's history, I realized that was basically Twitch's history because by the time Justin.TV shut down, Twitch was acquired. Yeah, uh, So we'll get to that. So Justin.TV's history. So Justin TV, you know, it was launched by Justin Kan. So originally, Justin Kan, he was broadcasting his life 24-7 in a single channel. That's what Justin TV was, is just a single channel, hence TV in its name, right? It's like, we're just going to bring the TV online. And because of its online nature, we're going to have just something streaming 24-7 in the form of a single channel, which is Justin Kan's life. And he was using a webcam, which was attached to a baseball cap and streamed online via a laptop backpack designed by Kyle, hence the technical guru. That was very advanced for the time. This is 2007, six months of the first iPhone coming out. And if you you can remember the first iPhone, it was a horrible camera. And of course, infrastructure wasn't there. We did have YouTube. So you were able to upload videos. But the concept of streaming like we have today was just so far out of the realm of possibility from a technical perspective. Hence the contraption that they built, right? A webcam attached to a baseball cap and streamed online via a laptop backpack. Right. So you had, had literally a webcam attached to your laptop and you had to carry that around. You know, of course it's uncomfortable. And then of course when he was sleeping, he had to have the camera on. At first it was so novel, so out there that lots of people were tuning in to listen and to watch his life. But afterwards it started falling off. And of course he got tired of it. So actually within the same year, they, he stopped broadcasting and Justin TV relaunched into it's later form as a network of various channels, right? So yes. from one channel to various channels, this was—I remember this was a, a slight den of piracy as
0: well because this is where I would watch like uh, Manny Pacquiao fights and UFC fights before the ESPN pay-per-view. and all of these things. Yes, it's where you would watch pay-per-view
1: online. Yep. So they're already hitting that those controversies. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. to Two thousand eight, they added selectable categories. This is important for broadcasters, including including featured people in live casting, sports, music, and radio gaming, that's why it's important for later, news and tech, animals, entertainment, divas, and dudes. 2009, they did a website redesign to make it simpler. Uh, 2010, they added this archive. The archive page became past broadcast, which would be deleted after seven days. And I think that's one of the fundamental differences between it and YouTube, right? And that's why I mentioned earlier, where people will stream on Twitch and have their network, their, their community there for those who want to watch them live and engage with them there, right, and chat. Um, but then once it's recorded, I think after a while it'll be deleted unless you highlight it now, which I can imagine reduces their server costs greatly compared to YouTube, which has to store mm. every That's single one of their videos. Right. And, and of course yes, storage is cheap, but at the volume that a YouTube or even a Twitch has content going up, it's just, it's just massive, just massive. Yeah. So they did that in 2010 and then 2011 is where, um, I think 2010, 2011, Uh, recalling from his interview, he said that was really a rough patch time because, you know, everything started going down, they were kind of in the trough and they couldn't figure it out. And then what, when they started looking at how people were using their website, they noticed that gaming, gaming was huge. The people that were in the gaming section were, you know, biggest users. So that's where in 2011, they decided to separate out gaming, the gaming section due to its massive popularity. And, it in its own website called twitch.com and of course over that from 2011 uh, 2012 13 14 it continued to grow also in
0: 2014 it had that big viral thing with pokemon uh with twitch plays pokemon
1: yes i I remember this did you participate in this i did not participate but i remember reading i remember reading about it because i thought it was fascinating and that just further catapulted it to the mainstream twitch plays pokemon was one of the the first
0: viral things on the Twitch platform and what it was was someone had created a system such that using the Twitch chat platform, you could uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You could control different actions in the in a simulated game of Pokemon Red or a right and, but it was like a
1: massive crowd, right? right? Yes.
0: And what they would do is they would exactly. they would randomly take, I believe, uh, certain commands that like they'd sample the commands. And then just whichever one just so happened to, just so happened to do, so you like, click like left, up, A, B, like the, like the, like the individual actions on a, on a Game Boy, like on, a, on an actual Game Boy. And then I think it took a few weeks, but they actually finished the entire game with thousands of people contributing to this. And it was, it, it's become an interesting internet meme in, in itself.
1: Um, yeah, so 2014 was a big year for Twitch. Uh, February, the Twitches and Justin TV. So Justin TV continued to exist up to that point. Uh, parent company, Their parent company was rebranded as Twitch Interactive. Um, and actually, there was, uh, I think in June, it seems like Google was uh, getting ready to acquire them uh, through YouTube uh, for $1 billion. But then they had to back off due to antitrust issues, right? YouTube is a the, is the big elephant in the room even back then. It still is now. So anyways, basically Twitch didn't have much of a competition in that regard. And so by August, Justin TV was officially shut down with Google stepping away due to antitrust concerns of not acquiring uh, Justin TV. Amazon came in and acquired them for $970 million. So basically the same month that Justin TV shut down, Twitch was acquired by Amazon. Later on, they did all these, uh, they actually integrated it into their Amazon Prime um, offerings where you get some free games once in a while, uh, there's definitely some perks if you're an Amazon Prime user uh, uh, with Twitch. And of course, you know, AWS being a subsidiary of Amazon definitely uses Twitch to share a lot of their um, learnings and announcements and technical deep dives with the community. And I think now on a regular basis, they are all, AWS always has something either for startups, either building this or having somebody come and talk about their different products. Uh, Amazon, I guess not so much because... Amazon has no, I guess, real reason to use Twitch. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, the, the story there. And then since, since 2014, of course, Twitch has only gone larger and larger. And just to share some quick numbers, in 2015, uh, where it was already, you know, the giant in the room and in, in the game live streaming space, it had 1.5 million plus broadcasters and 100 million views uh, per month in 2018 it had 2.2 million broadcasters and 15 million daily active users and they said that it had 1 million average concurrent users 2020 two years later 3.8 million broadcasters and 37.5 million daily the daily viewers 1.44 million average concurrent viewers 95 minutes of content watched per day they're massive but yes yeah, so clearly twitch is twitch is big
0: and twitch is a very successful company so then A few questions come to mind. How has Twitch become so successful? And in looking through its history, Johnny, I have I have a few ideas that I I want to propose. I see how you feel about feel about this. So go for it. But if I were to look at what made Twitch so successful, is I think one of the things that it was hyper focused on gaming. And it kind of hit just at the right time. So Twitch When it switched over to Twitch.tv, even its name is based on the idea of like Twitch gaming or fast Twitch gaming. Because it's so focused on video games and video game streams, it both rode the wave and enabled the wave of the massive rise of video game popularity over time. So there was a few things that I wanted to point out before, which was I just looked at, I found an article back way back in 2013, even before Twitch was acquired just about the just about Twitch and about how it kind of is supporting the rise of video game tournaments and eSports, which is another big thing that's risen over this time. Back in 2000, there was only 10 global tournaments for eSports. And probably I would assume all of that was StarCraft uh, back in 2000. By the time 2012 ran, came around, and if you just look at kind of where Twitch became popular, where Twitch took off, By the time 2012 came around, there was almost 700. The number of tournaments now is in the thousands every single year. And the amount of prize money is in the millions and tens of millions. Esports really rose during this time. And I want to say, originally I was thinking, well, did Twitch ride the wave of esports? Partially, yes. But I also think that Twitch enabled the wave of esports as well in terms of allowing it to rise by giving it the streaming
1: system. Yeah, I agree. I see a couple of factors here, right? One is definitely the rise of esports, right? So it's almost like they went hand in hand, right? Uh, but esports was also pushed further by a diff also another a, 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 another factor. Um I, I read this recently. So I think in the 90s, a uh, you know, triple video game would cost 25, 30 million to build, right? Yep. Um now it's on the order of 100 150 million, right? Costs way like more movie movie now. Yes. Yep. Right. So one of the things that we've observed, and we kind of covered this in our, in, our gaming, uh, in the gaming industry uh, episodes, is that these companies have to recoup their money, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense for them to just say, hey, he, we're gonna release like a COD game with 10 to 15 hours of, of game for you know, 70, 80 bucks or 60 bucks, and then that's it, there's nothing, right? And I even noticed that with, like, for example, Assassin's Creed, where like, I think the first one had no online, and then yep. I think the second one had an online system, mm-hmm. and then once you finish the whole game, I think it was the second or third one or one of the variations of the second one and where a you could
0: do, and like, fort you could do multiplayer,
1: right? So that would increase the longevity of these games, right? And then you could buy this; you'd be interested in buying upgrades, right? So the gaming industry, the gaming companies, right, were interested in in increasing the longevity of their games, and of course, for mm-hmm. some of these games, like these strategy games. Uh, like League of Legends, StarCraft, Counter-Strike, Dota, what have you, They, because they were competition-based games, they already had a growing area. So instead of just releasing more and more different games every year, they would just focus on expanding existing games and adding new features, new capabilities, new costumes, right? So there was that. How big of a hand
0: do you feel that Twitch has had in the rise of these big, very streamable, very... Uh, esportable games as well, because if you look at these big games—Dota 2, League of Legends, PUBG, Fortnite, COD—COD COD has been around for a while. Multiplayer COD has been around for a while, but these other games—it's it, too many to
1: make me feel this was luck. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And that's what I was trying to say, right? With so take this very simple example. Originally, you play one game by yourself, and that was it, right? Then you'd have, the next stage would be, let's have a LAN party, and then you know you can have these huge LAN parties, right? So, but still, everything was local, right? You were still limited to whoever was around you, whoever could commute and travel to you, right? Fine. Then there was online, the initial online, where, hey, me and a couple other people could play. But here's the difference. When I play by myself, I'm just playing by myself, right? At home, by myself. When I play at a LAN party with friends or on competitions, I have that sense of community. Then you think of Twitch, what did Twitch do? Twitch then further extended it and say, hey, you can have that massive land party where you can have, you can play with multiple people because the games are allowing you to do that as a single person, you can play the team, you can do the whole wow rate, everything. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna have you, people come and watch you, learn from you, support you and create that community, right? So everyone's all about, hey, I love my fans, um, it's so great to see you guys. Like I, I don't really watch Twitch, but some of the short videos here and there that I see, it's always these guys, the streamers who are encouraging their fans, who are who are really appreciative of their fans. So then now you get back that sense of community without ever living leaving your apartment, your house, and I think that is what the flywheel has caused, right? And I want to ask a question with this because this goes into the
0: next, I believe, key to success. So the first key is that focus on gaming. The next key is just this desire for streaming, which is very interesting. So if we break it down, and if I were to say, hey, John, let's go, um, I I wanna somehow try to localize, is this a generational thing? Is this a technology enabled thing? Or is this a human thing? So if we think about streaming, we have hundreds, potentially thousands of people watching another person play video games that you don't know, not your friend, not your, you know, not, not anyone you went to school with, no one you have a personal relationship with, but clearly there is a strong desire for audiences to watch people stream in real time. There's an authenticness to it. Uh, this people describe an authenticness to it. They describe the interactions that they can have with the people. But I'm trying to wonder here as well, which is this, was, this would have been foreign to you and me. I feel as children, as kids growing up without the, without the internet, this idea of, okay, you're going to go on and strangers are going to come talk to you and watch you do watch you play video games. Could you imagine? Let's see, let's pick a nineties video game Starcraft. Oh, there, let's pick James Bond, Goldeneye. Never mind, It's an N64 game for no internet connectivity, but (laughs) can you imagine like the parents being okay? Yes. The parents being okay with, Oh yeah. My like child is playing video games online, and random strangers are telling him how how great he is, or, or random strangers are are asking him questions. This seems like such a foreign concept back then. So I'm trying to understand: is this is this just Gen Z is much more comfortable, or millennials and Gen Z just much more comfortable with this? Is this just hey, we always want to do this, but the technology just wasn't there? It's like it's like what is what is it? that's what is it that's streaming that's making streaming so popular and so accepted now because I'd also say a second key to success is the fact that Twitch hit on streaming. But I don't understand why is streaming so successful?
1: Talking to the authentic side, at least from a tech perspective, you know, a lot of videos from coding and teaching you uh, different programming concepts and CS concepts, they're very, for the most part, very refined, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's decent editing. Um, and if you're learning from there, you almost feel like this person never makes mistakes, right? As I, right. Yeah. I mean, obviously the more senior you get, the more you realize like, Hey, everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. But when you're first learning, you don't get that exposure. You just see everything's perfect. This person wrote this beautiful piece of code. I could do all this, but you don't ever see the editing that happens to clean up a lot of the mistakes and stuff with uh, yes. YouTube did start streaming, uh, some stuff. I know, uh, even 2017, there was some streaming, but before that, Twitch allows that, right? So people will build programs and you will see their mistakes. Even the silly ones, the off by one mistakes, the what have you that you think only beginners make, but then anybody makes those mistakes as you're building. So definitely agree with the authenticity. I think this is the difference. With YouTube, like I said, you see, for the most part, a polished product. And you can interact with the people that build it and others, but it's asynchronous. You leave a comment, you like Right? You share it on Twitter, right, and maybe the creator will get back to you. Maybe you start a conversation, but it's asynchronous. right? The person will not respond right away. There's not that interaction when, you, when you're when with that person in, in, in person, right? when you were doing those LAN parties. With Twitch, I think the big thing that really changes and makes one of the defining factors that makes live streaming so interesting is you have a direct, it's almost like you're in that room conversing with this person as they do that activity, and you can be part of it, right? So if someone's playing a game, you can say, hey, no, do that. Hey, do that, right? You can help them or you can give them feedback right there and then that they can read, right? That's why, like, when you watch Twitter streams, you'll see, you know, like part of, you'll see the game, you'll see the person. Then you'll see this whole chat room that's going back and forth, back and forth. And, again, I think now you can argue that YouTube has this, right, when people live stream something and, and all that. But I think what made Twitch interesting why it is the, the, the juggernaut that it is, is that uh, at a first mover advantage? And that's very important in the context of building communities. So let me ask a question then, which is when is streaming, for what type
0: of scenarios or content is streaming more popular than production content?
1: I think when you have the discussion, for example. Uh, so, for example, uh, what I've observed is some of the people that have on YouTube, I spend more of my time on YouTube. The ones that do end up creating a live stream from time to time in addition to their stuff is like, so say they'll release like a 10, 20 minute video uh, already pre-recorded and edited. But then they'll have like hour long, two hour long conversations. They'll have like an AMA or I'm going to discuss this topic. Come and join me and let's discuss. So you can already see even on YouTube the part of the reason to do a live stream is so that your audience can interact with you and you can have right. live discussions that you can answer. Right. It's almost like a interview panel, right? Where, right. hey, me or some other person are gonna be here, let's have a discussion. So right. let, me, let me ask a
0: question of that. So this is, so then this is different then because this isn't, let's, let me put it this way. If Twitch was just, let's say Twitch was live sports because everyone talks about oh, streaming must capture live sports, live sports, live sports must be the thing. That if you capture it, it becomes super popular. But if Twitch was just live sports and all you're talking and you still have a chat room, right? You have a chat room where people are talking about live sports. Would that be as successful as the Twitch model is, or what the predominant stream is? Where it's not just we're all together in a room watching this sport but not engaging with it. No, no, we're all in this room, perhaps engaging with the person and they're talking back to us and they're, and what's it called, we're asking questions and they're answering questions in real time, that engagement with the producer of the content, is that greater than
1: just passive watching of content? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Because you have, I believe, and again, I don't know how often this happens, but you at least have the inherent ability to to control what that person does right mm-hmm. by giving the feedback if you're passively watching something okay you and i can passively watch something we can comment oh can is, he gonna miss? is he not gonna miss yeah we can yeah. watch the super bowl but that's not the yes that's a, that feels more of a passive thing and no matter what we say like no don't miss it don't miss it that person's not gonna hear us right mm-hmm. got it
0: this makes sense this makes sense okay so i think that's another key to success just that innate interaction
1: model of streaming uh, another thing I would say also is, so we've talked mo- mostly around the audience interacting with the uh, the streamer. Another important part that I that I just remembered from our notes is also as that documentary on the League of Legends is that one of the guys, one of the people, that, so one thing I, in that documentary is that the people that used to compete professionally in the esports for uh, competitions for League of Legends would later just stream on Twitch. And One of the things is going the other way is that um, most of these guys were competent game players, right? And they knew what they were doing. So what they would actually do is that as they play, they will say out loud what they're doing and what they're thinking. So they would share their strategy and why they're approaching that strategy. So it wasn't just, yes, you can go on on YouTube before and watch someone play a game, right? You could watch them play through like Assassin's Creed, um, what have you, like last of us and all of that. Right. But you can never get the whole, what am I doing and why am I doing? So I think because people, the streamers are aware that people are watching them, they want to explain themselves, right? So it's like, it's a very, um, actually going back earlier to when I was reading why people would stream in the first place. It's because there's that, someone is watching me and there's like that sense of being with people and then I'm able to talk to them about, you know, whether it's my day or what I'm doing and how I'm going about it, right? So it's also both ways, right? So two-way interaction that has really enabled the growth of, of streaming. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about
0: its competitors too, because Johnny, its competitors are some of the biggest in the space. So you had YouTube that got into the streaming space. You had, in the gaming streaming space even, you had Mixer, which was backed by Microsoft. Now Mixer is going away and folding into Facebook gaming. Uh, Microsoft and Facebook are partnering in that way, so you have literally the biggest players in the space of, in, in the space of videos, and of course, Twitch itself is backed by Amazon, another one of the biggest players in all of tech. You have all of these big names in here. Real question is, okay, how did Twitch become successful in the sea against the backdrop of all of these other big players? I think a lot of it is first mover advantage. So a lot of the features that you see in YouTube streaming now, it's like, oh, donations, I'll give you different emoticons and different things. Same thing with Facebook streaming. Those are pioneered on Twitch.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I just Googled, you know, live streaming uh, on YouTube and you see a couple of them, right? So you see Periscope, Facebook Watch, YouTube Live. Uh, I think this is more the term live streaming, Twitch and Mixer. So just to provide some context, you know, Periscope was launched in March 2015 by Twitter as a live streaming app. Uh, I think they should eventually launch it or did they purchase it? I think they launched. I think it was an internal one. Okay. Um, Facebook Watch was introduced um, to select individuals in August 2016 and public in January 2017. YouTube uh, had a live streaming app right after its acquisition by Google in 2006. and then, of course, live streaming, like I said, was is involves a continuous broadcasting of daily events in one's life. And that was popularized by Justin Can, you know, the, the co-founder of Justin TV. And um, I also
0: point out this thing with YouTube, YouTube live streaming. Yes, you can do it. But even to this day, it's not the main thing for them. It's that side thing for them. You, yes. you don't you're not you're, you don't feel like you're a part of the main thing. Streams don't make it to the top of your recommended list. It's not all streams, whereas Twitch, it's all just streams.
1: Yes, YouTube was out there from before that. But like you said, it was not its main thing. YouTube was more of a, hey, here's where you go to watch videos. I've been uploaded, right? That's where, because that's the time. It's really interesting. If you think about it, the mind frame that some of these companies were built in kind of dictates their way through. YouTube was created at a time when the concept of uploading a video to share was there. It was not in the concept of live streaming. So yes, it was there and they never really focused on it. And I would say that if Twitch had never pivoted because, and I, here's the difference why I think, um, YouTube failed in this area and Twitch succeeded, right? YouTube, because it was backed by Google, which has enormous resources, never had to worry that no one was using their site, right? they, could be so they exact, never had to dive could, deeper. They didn't have to find one thing. Right. Twitch being, uh, you know, a, a VC funded company needed to survive. And when they were like, no one's using this, who? Where are people using our website? And they had to dig deep and found, hey, people are really um, gravitating towards this gaming content. Let's just focus on that. And that was the key to their success, right? So really, if you think about it, Twitch had five years, right, before, uh, you know, Periscope kind of came out. And, you know, anyways, that could be debated. But I would say it had five years of just nothing, no competition. This is actually a good example of how a service could be a future for one company, but yet the main focus of another company and they can still both be successful. So interesting question here, which is had YouTube purchased Twitch would actually have Twitch failed. Yeah, they would not have given it the focus. Let's be honest, because they probably I, they might would have have to merge it, but... it
0: into YouTube. And it, we've seen, yeah, we've seen what happened
1: there. Yeah, no, I, th- well, okay. I, th- well, let's put it this way. They would have acquired it when it was already f- with a full focus on, on gaming, but then that oh, yeah. would be really confusing because even with YouTube, right google's never clear on how they do their things right we've seen what google does youtube red sure
0: sure but we've seen what google does they acquire and then merge so probably twitch would have existed from 2014 let's say it got acquired in 2014 Mm would have existed in 2014 to maybe 2016 and we get all that email and our gmail account saying oh twitch is shutting down merging into youtube gaming blah 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 and then it's a tab on YouTube, and that's probably all it becomes if if YouTube had actually acquired it. Yep. And Amazon acquisition saves the day. This is this is interesting. All right. So if summarizing, if uh, if we bring up all our points, so Twitch has become very successful first because it was super focused on gaming and streaming. It had that laser focus. It helped build up, and it also rode the rise of esports. It treated streamers well, and it gave them the ability to monetize. And of course, it had a great first mover advantage throughout all of this.
1: Michael, I, I see an opportunity here. I see an opportunity here. I'm going to jump to Ideas of the Week for this one. Hear me out. Hear me out. We haven't done Rich Tech, Poor Tech. Hold on. Wait. No, wait no, for no, 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 no. This, no, this is just timely. This is just timely. Hear okay, me out. Fine. Hear me out. One for people eating together. Uh-huh. I think there's an opportunity to create an ecosystem here where you and I want to eat the same food, We want to cook the same food and a company provides that and delivers to both of us. So then, Uh and then you can get on Twitch. You want to take something that was purely technology
0: enabled and didn't need anything else and add a whole layer of infrastructure services that make it much more complicated. Yes. To run as a business. Yes. Rich tech, poor tech it is. All right. Let's go into our judgment of whether or not uh, Twitch is a rich tech or poor tech company. So first let's go industry, industry and product. Uh, so the industry is content entertainment. Hmm. Interesting. What would you consider this? Uh, is interesting. If you go broadcast, then sure, that's, that's rich tech because broadcasting has always been more rich, but Live theater is also entertainment. So let's let's really boil this down. What industry is Twitch really in? Historically or now? What, what is it? What what industry is it in right now? What what does I, it do?
1: I'd say it's what? a new form of entertainment.
0: Okay, I can see that. It's that doesn't but what, have but again, a but what form of entertainment
1: that's the point it doesn't have a historical equivalent if okay look at it this way if you say in the original in gaming focus maybe you can tie it to the gaming industry and be what did people do before as entertainment outside of playing games right they might watch their friends again like break it down break it down right um you and your sibling you and your friends uh, whenever you go to each other's house, one especially if it's a one-player game, one person will play, you fail, then you switch, especially if you're playing something like a Soul Caliber, a or Tekken, or what have you, right? One right. person would watch, one person would play, or two people would watch and the rest would play. And then you keep, you kind of play like a little mini competition, right? Yeah. That's the entertainment. So I think if you say Twitch from a, its roots of being a gaming-focused service, it's watching that that, the closest equivalent.
0: It's watching that person who's really good at halo and and you're all right. going over at his house after school to watch him play because he's really really exactly. good yes. and you're talking to him uh, and you're interacting and you're making hot pockets you bring exactly. the hot pockets in fact all right that's exactly. the donations yes. yes your hot pockets yes. are the donations that a pizza yes. bagel fights
1: it's a it's a all friendship right. industry michael it's a friendship yes. industry which okay, has yet, so yet to be monetized yes so, okay, be so monetized. That's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so that's called uh that's, so that's poor
1: Unless, unless you were that enterprising individual that was so good that your friends wanted to come watch, and you charge them, you charge them with
0: lunchbox, you charge them with what something, friends pay you for it to be your friend. Yes, that's in which case. that's how popular he was. People yes. literally paid him to to hang out with him.
1: So this is the friendship industry, friendship video game industry. There you go.
0: So I, I believe this is still, it's it's uh, it's not rich tech. It's this, it is, this is the next
1: growth market for the tech industry, Michael.
0: Yeah, paying for friends, the next growth market. All right. I believe that the industry itself is poor tech, but let's talk about the product now. So the product is this, it's communications in a way, this product. Mm-hmm. Let's put this way. Is the product really, is the product really that different from Zoom as a product?
1: No, I almost want to, You know, I was thinking about that earlier. It almost feels like a specialized Zoom with a social network feature to it.
0: I was going to say, it's almost like a social network. Well, the social network part of Zoom is the Zoom
1: itself. Well, eh, not really. Because with Zoom, you call each other and that's it. Where's the social? Oh, okay. Yes, you have contact. You're you're
0: talking to each other socially over a network.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's like, no, Johnny,
0: no, Johnny, you just call each other on Zoom and don't say a word.
1: <laughs> there, Actually, there, there could, <laughs> it could, could be those. It could be those. Actually,
0: that would be live streaming.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah,
0: so communications, the social, network, uh, I, I think that's the product is a rich product.
1: Yes, it's that. that. Yes, poor industry, rich
0: product. All right. So employees. Labor. Yes, labor, uh, white collar Labor. Oh, actually, uh, yeah. Why I was about to say, what do you count the streamers? White collar labor? Well, they do, they do pay them, so yes. It's not like the Reddit and its moderators. Well, it's not even about being paid. It's about the work that they're doing. The streamers, yeah. yeah. yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's not that's not quite laying bricks.
1: I don't know, Michael. I, I think uh, Sims can be considered uh, laying bricks when you're building your house and your city. Uh, uh, you're
0: sim, you're simulating manual labor in the yes. video game. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Again, a content creation, uh, white, white collar, white collar, for sure. Artist class, even if you're going to go pure to use the oldest term. So that's definitely rich. Then of course benefits for its employees. Well, for its streamers, they pay them. Uh, and there seems to be a somewhat fair, at least in their uh, payment model.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a tech company, right? Yeah. And, uh, and top streamers do make quite a bit of money. So uh, yeah. So uh, rich and rich there.
0: So wealth generation, can you generate, do they generate wealth for users if their users are streamers? Absolutely. If their users are viewers, uh, maybe not so much,
1: but the streamers, absolutely. Well, yes, in both cases, but one is not monetary
0: yes they they generate some non-monetary value
1: non-wealth monetary and uh, experience
0: yes generate entertainment and then finally does it generate wealth for society well if you look at its empowerment of esports i would say yeah i would say yeah
1: i would say yeah Yeah, it's almost like they i would i would almost argue they have like a symbiotic relationship where um you know, at a certain size, they're both helping each other, right? Mm-hmm. Twitch help is the, like I said, like those esports guys that originally used to, come to compete when they no longer want to compete, they go on Twitch. That further gets people interested. So it's almost like the gaming industry, the esports industry, and Twitch are all kind of in this uh, very nice f- what, oh, flywheel, flywheel mm-hmm. relationship. They just round and round. Yes. There you go. All right. So by Wealth to Society Rich uh wealth to users rich um product rich industry poor michael what's the verdict do, 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 do,
0: do. Do, do. all right so the verdict for rich tech poor tech for twitch rich tech i agree all it's right rich
1: tech company all right ideas of the week, idea. of the week. Oh, by the way it is ideas michael not idea there's multiple ideas okay so you have other ideas i always have ideas ideas to pitch against twitch what do we pitch against twitch look at that pitch against twitch i like it
0: i think let's so how do you take
1: out this company
0: going back in the old way. let's make a sniper? Let's, let's let's make a lifestyle streaming a service a lifestyle streaming app that's specifically just for lifestyle streaming uh okay and you need to figure out the features that just make lifestyle streaming uh superior that that just that works specifically for lifestyle streaming. I don't know which ones those are, but oh, one of them is definitely a mobile exp- a better mobile experience because if you're lifestyle streaming, you're out and about. So and how do you communicate with your fans when you're out and about? Let's say I'm imagining let's let's create a streaming service just for people who go to restaurants, want to review food and people want to eat with them in restaurants. Let's figure out the best product or the best experience for that. It's probably a little bit different than the Twitch main network. And then just take that before Twitch does.
1: Sure. I, that's a great opportunity. And <laughs> I won't take out Twitch.
0: No, no, no. You take out part of their future.
1: I see. Only to be acquired by them. Sure. But you take out a part of their future. I see. So you just want to be their R&D lab like Snap is uh, Facebook's R&D lab.
0: Nah, nah, yeah, sure.
1: Okay, Michael. When they come to knocking on our door, you better say yes. Right. I'm all, I'm all good with this one.
0: It's like, Michael, we're going to come take your, uh, what's it called? We're going to come cash.
1: Take, cash. cash. Yeah.
0: Take cash. We want to acquire, we want to acquire your little, uh, your little restaurant
1: live streaming app. Excellent. I should have just realized like whatever project we build, it has to do some, It has to have something to do with food. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you could easily say that our, our
0: physiques were built by food. <laughs> I think if anyone saw us in person, one look and they'll go, those are two men who enjoy eating.
1: Touche, <laughs> touche. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ashley, there you go. So you and the wife uh, and I can have a Zoom dinner date to try out this whole idea of what does it there work to eat with people?
0: There we go. I'd figure out I figure out what features are most necessary all right so with those ideas of the week uh that's another episode of the silicon trail thank you for listening and stay safe out there